it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Well, good evening and welcome to School Days, Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. Memorization is an important component of a child's education. It's a skill that we begin to develop as kids that is crucial to later success in life. But nothing strikes dread in the hearts of students more than being given a long list of something to memorize. Today, our guest is an expert a champion even, at the art of memorization and will share with us effective memory strategies for academic success. So I'm sure at this point our listeners are tired of hearing about the things that I remember from childhood because I feel like we've talked about that a whole lot. Yeah, you have a lot of random, irrelevant. They're not irrelevant. And you use those things how in your life besides on our podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so probably not. Probably not that much. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. do you? Are, are you gonna are you gonna sing the fifty fifty? States well, I was song? just trying to think how I use the fifty states. I mean, it's good to know them all for, alphabetically. For I don't know. Yeah. What What do you remember? Do you have anything that you memorized from childhood, like a poem or anything like that? Um. Well. Well, it's kind of not fair because I do teach math, but. I do no, remember. You can't. No, 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 wait, Nothing wait, wait. That you wait have a learned wait. since you graduated no, 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 from college. No, 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 no. I knew this since high school. Okay, what is it? The quadratic formula. Is it long? I mean, yes. How long is it? I'll tell you. Tell me what pi is. That's what I want to know. Because isn't pi like ridiculously long? Yes, that maybe is our a, guest knows what pi is. Well, that is an irrational number. That means it goes on and on. We we stop it after two decimal places. Uh-huh. But it keeps on going. Okay. Um, Do you know pi? Yes, three and. Don't it, say three point one four. I know that much. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a stickler for uh, saying point. It, don't don't say point. It, it's it, not point. No, it's three and fourteen hundreds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but the quadratic formula is uh, negative b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus four ac over two a. Bam. Okay. okay, but aren't you cheating? Because isn't this something that you have to know for your profession? Like you're a math teacher, so. Uh yeah, but I no, still that doesn't but, work. No, I but remember, I knew. But I knew before I started teaching, so I've I've known this. I, this is what I do. But that's exactly my point. It's fresh in your mind because you're a math teacher. Because what I learn, I apply. <laughs> Unlike you, who okay, you just whatever. learn just sure. learn it just for random facts. Okay. You gonna sing the song first, babe? Hit it. No, I'm not. No. Do you not have one thing? Like really? Like a poem that you learned or something? A poem that I learned. I remember a poem that I wrote. I still remember from memory. Okay. Yeah, yes, guys, I'm 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 uh, prolific. Uh, <laughs> For sure. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not just math. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, a single <laughs> faceted man. I I have many sides to myself. Mm. You want to hear the poem? Is it your Christmas poem? No. Okay. Well, well, Is it short? It's pretty short. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I will I will cut you off if it's too long. No, it's not. It's not long. Well, okay. you keep talking. It's gonna waste our time. Okay, right, here go we go. Ahead. Ready, right, ready, y'all. Here we go. It was an I was in ninth grade when I wrote this, and I was lonely. So it was called. <laughs> don't you laugh at me? Oh my God. Laugh at me. It, it's called loneliness. Okay. And my, son, my son's over here laughing at my face too. You know, we'll forget both of y'all. Here we go. <clears throat> loneliness is an experience that most people have had. It can make us angry, frustrated, heartbroken, or sad. Loneliness reminds me of a desolate tree out in a world that no one can see. When a tree becomes lonely, it cannot talk and it cannot cry. But when a person becomes lonely, they often ask themselves why. It wasn't my fault that it happened. There was nothing that I could do. There was no one to share my feelings with and no one to turn to. 
Will this loneliness ever leave me? Will this loneliness ever end? Maybe one day the tree and I can meet and become friends. And if you don't know, now you know. No, that's a finger snap. That's not. That's oh, not, okay. No, yeah. That was very good. I think our guest is is hung up now, though. Yeah, we gotta move <laughs> on with the show, y'all. <laughs> with our own banter. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Well, that was very that's good. I'm very hard. impressed by that. Thank you. Yes. Okay. I've said that in years. Oh, I'm I'm very impressed. That was very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was deep. I mean, when you're lonely, you have a you're you're into your own thoughts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go. All right. Well, before we go any further. Because we sure don't need to go any further. <laughs> Let me just say, it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or negative advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and had, add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And we do want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a question there. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Our kid caster today is 11-year-old Reese Washington from Denver, Colorado. Nelson Dellis is a four-time USA memory champion and one of the leading memory experts in the world. Traveling around the world as a competitive memory athlete, memory consultant, publisher, author, and highly sought-after keynote speaker. As a memory champion, mountaineer, and Alzheimer disease activist, he preaches a lifestyle that combines fitness, both mental and physical, with a proper diet and social involvement. Welcome to school days, Mr. Dellis. Welcome, Nelson. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I didn't know if I was supposed to respond to that. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we are so glad that you're here. Um, I want to ask, so how did you become interested in memory athletes, uh, athletics? Yeah, um, I, I mean, this happened, I was just thinking back on it recently. Uh, it's been about the 10 year mark where I won my first memory championship, but I actually started training and competing a few years before that. Um, it took me a little while to kind of get my groove and to become kind of prominent in the, the competitive world. But I got interested in memory techniques around the time that my grandmother uh, passed away from Alzheimer's, it kind of struck me in a way that uh, inspired me to kind of do this rabbit hole venture into research and on memory and, and seeing what there was out there to help me improve my memory. And I found a bunch of things, but the thing that interested me the most was this memory championship. And I wanted to learn how these memory champions were doing what they were doing because all they were saying was, learn these techniques and practice. Mm -hmm. And that was something novel to me. I'd never heard about doing that for your memory. Um, and yeah, the rest is kind of history. Oh. And that also um, kind of sparked an, um, this interest, sparked a desire for you to start a nonprofit. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what's called? Yeah. So very early on in this journey of mine, you know, it was very, you know, for myself, I wanted to learn how to improve my brain health. But I realized very quickly as I told people, you know, what I was into and what I was doing and these championships I was winning, not many people had heard about, you know, memory techniques or memory championships. And memory championships, that's not that important. But memory techniques, I think everyone should know these, especially kids, you know, should be the first thing they learn at school, how to use their memory properly. So it kind of inspired me to do more than just, you know, hey, I trained myself let me share this information with as many people as possible for a good cause. And the cause being, you know, the re the root of, of why I started, which was Alzheimer's. So uh, I kind of combined a bunch of things together, which was the memory techniques, raising awareness for Alzheimer's and climbing um, because climbing is a big passion of mine. And I thought, why not try to you know, yell from the highest peaks in the world uh, about this disease and, and what I've learned. And, and that's kind of how climb for memory, uh, which is the nonprofit came about. Now, this may be a, a, a naive question, but why is it called memory athletics versus just memory? Yeah, uh, that's a fair question. Um, the Well, okay, so if you go to these competitions, I mean, first of all, it's competition, right? Um, we're competitors. You know, we've trained. Um, I don't know who coined the name memory athlete, Um instead of like memory competitor, but it really does feel like 
an athletic kind of attempt when you, mm. you do one of these um, events, you know, you're sweating at times, mm. your heart rate's elevated. It's there's really? nerves. And, and if you saw the way that a lot of us train, you'd see very clearly that this is uh, that we are mental athletes, not just people memorizing stuff. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between this and so it's a memory competition. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you could elaborate that, but what would be the difference between this and let's say um, RIP Alex Trebek uh, Jeopardy where, you know, it's it's a lot of memory and a lot of facts that you're kind of. So what what's the difference between those? Sure. So the, the U.S. Well, the one that I won was the USA Memory Championship. There are other championships around the world kind of based on the same events. And it's basically fair tests on memory over uh, a time domain. You know, you have a certain amount of time to memorize something and something you haven't seen before. And it's how much you can do in the shortest amount of time, basically. So the events are things like memorizing numbers, you know, randomized numbers, memorizing shuffled decks of cards, memorizing names and faces of strangers, poems, historic dates that are made up, stuff like that. And basically these competitions, you know, it's the total score you get kind of, those are the leaders and the U S championship does it a little bit different where they have like a playoff round. Um, and then there's elimination style at the end, but yeah, it's just a bunch of different memory tasks and you know, whoever is the best across the board is, is, is usually the champion. Now, David, you were jumping ahead of me a little bit. I was going, I was going somewhere with the, with the climb for memory. Cause I was telling Nelson that I'm, I'm a little, um, a bit, I'm a little bit of a Everest geek <laughs> and, and I'm very excited about that. I really wanted to ask him just right quick, how, where does the climbing come into your, uh, your nonprofit? How does that work with yeah. raising money for memory? From what I said at the beginning, it's, it started off as, Hey, let me, you know, not many people know about this stuff. Let me go to the loudest, biggest platform in the world. And to me, with my interest, that sounded like Everest. Um, can't get any higher than that. So, um, but the more, actually, the more I got into climbing, and I was fairly new. I, you know, I, I said Everest, but at the time, I hadn't climbed anything very large. Everest still seemed like a dream to me, but it seemed like an achievable thing I could work towards. But that kind of sparked the beginning of my mem- uh, my mountaineering career. But I realized that it's it's very similar in a way to memory sports because it's a mental sport. Um, Mm. believe it or not, mountain climbing is especially high altitude mountaineering. It's, it's so slow going. A lot of it is, is beating, uh, the, the, the voice in your head that tells you to quit or that wants you to quit because it's cold. You can't breathe. It hurts. It's boring. It's uncomfortable. All these things is what mountaineering is. And the pulmonary embolism. I'm sorry. You have a pulmonary embolism. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually happened to me. Yeah. Uh, one of my attempts. So yeah, it's it's so I I do like the mental crossover there, um, and actually uh, when I'm climbing these long days where you know I'm miserable, I actually use a lot of my memory techniques to kind of distract myself. I go and visit my memory palaces and um, r- recall things that I've memorized before, and, and yeah, yeah. And now I wanted to know about that. How does memory? How does high? How do high altitudes impact your memory? Because I know you've said before that you do some of your training up there and you practice. Yeah, I was fascinated to see what would happen. Uh, the first expedition I did to um, Everest, which is an 8,000 meter peak, it's the highest peak in the world. Um, I basically kept my memory training and I, I simplified it. Uh, I basically just did memorizing cards and numbers every day on this expedition. This was 2011 and um, kind of kept track of all my improvements. And I actually broke some of my barriers that I was having a hard time beating at sea level um, when I was at base camp uh, on Everest, which is above 17,000 feet. And yeah, I kept training at each camp higher and higher and didn't really see a kind of decline that I would expect. There were certain days where I did feel a decline, but it wasn't because of the altitude or lack of oxygen. It would be because it was a hard day Mm. and I was just exhausted. Mm -hmm. I couldn't focus, you know, I was just ready. I was, I wanted to sleep. But uh, usually when I had acclimatized, my memory would be just as good as it was at sea level. It was pretty interesting. And then in 2013, I did another attempt on Everest from the, the north side and partnered with Washington uh, 
University in St. Louis and was part of a study that they kind of developed around me where I was doing memory tests and cognitive tests up the mountain. And uh, we're still analyzing the results. Uh, I was, I'm the only person who's ever done that. Um, there was one other memory study years ago, but it was more about meta memory than memory. And um, yeah, it's just fascinating stuff. It's, it's, it just showed me the power of some of the memory techniques that I have that they weren't uh, affected by this lack of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back to the, the memory competitions, I know you've broken a lot of records. So tell, what kind of, what competition records have you um, broken? Yeah. Uh, some, actually, I don't know. I, I know I have one still, but they, they come and go. I had it for a while, then I <laughs> lost it, got it back, lost it. Um, I'm not as competitive as I used to be. Um, and with this last year of COVID, you know, competitions have been non-existent or virtual and they don't really count yet because yeah, it's, it's not the same as in person to be verified those scores. Anyways, um, things like I had the record of memorizing the fastest deck of cards in the U S which was, I think, uh, I broke it at a minute. What did I do? It was at one twenty one minute 27 when I started. And then I think I got one. 20 maybe or 117 i forget and then i got it down to like 103 um and then at international competition i managed to do 40 seconds um numbers i had the record for i did 300 and almost 340 digits oh my gosh yeah so think of like a 340 digit phone number yeah five minutes right in a row Uh, in a row yeah 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 and then the one i still have this is one i'm very proud of is the most names memorized in 15 minutes, which is 235 names. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. So I have a problem with faces and names. <laughs> so I really could use some of these, these techniques. Yeah. So we, we... Oh, one more thing, since you guys yeah. talked about pie, yeah. um, I wanted to chime in. I actually have at this point, uh, 10,000 digits of pie. <gasps> yeah. 10,000 digits memorized. Yeah. Memorized. Yeah. In a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> what do you mean in a row? <laughs> I mean, that's just unfair. They have, they have to be in a row. If not, right. It's Otherwise, it's not pie, right? numbers I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember growing up, well, when I was in high school, I took this course, Kevin Trudeau's Mega Memory. Yeah. You remember yeah. that? It had like cassettes or something. I mean, I may have been too young, but oh, you know, okay. I've, I've been I'm just shown it. myself. Yeah. People have it. And... Uh, <laughs> It used to help me in my chemistry class. Uh, nice. And yeah. we used a pegging. It was the pegging yeah, technique. The peg, peg, yes. System, yeah. um, see, you didn't know I knew that, did you, babe? I did not. Yeah, see? I told you I'm, I'm, a, I'm versatile. We, we all know you're smart. Yeah. We well, got it. No, that's not smart. That's just, I just picked it. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> uh, but, wow, that that's that's a, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So. So, we were, we oh. were going to actually quiz him. Um, how many numbers did you say you knew from of Pi? Yeah, 10,000. <laughs> okay, well, we were only going to give you 30, but I still, <laughs> um, I think it'll still be impressive, um, but it won't be 10,000. So do you want to, you want to help me? Well, give him like here's 15- the difference, right? Okay. Is I had, when I studied and learned Pi, I, I, I took my time. Oh, okay. What you're about to do, um, if you're going to tell me some numbers, I'm learning them for the first time now. Um, so... Yeah. Are you going to some what, random numbers? We're going to give him random numbers and we're going to write yeah, them down. If you could so do we'll one know. thing, if you're going to say them out loud, sure. um, just say one digit at a time. Um, and you can do like 30 or something just so we're not doing this forever. Okay. Um, just one digit two hours later. per second. <laughs> like so like two hours at a, later. At a, not too fast paced, but not super slow either. Okay. Should just we write them down you... first and then tell you or does it matter? Yeah, write them down first so you have them. And then uh, there's no hiccups when you so tell me that. Pen will work. Okay. I haven't done this in a while, but we'll see. It's usually fine. Okay. Now, how many was that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, I'll do. Okay. Now you add 15 more numbers. While he's doing that, I was going to say, you know, if you were talking about things you remember when you were from school as a kid, one of the things for me was the Greek alphabet. We had a teacher in second grade that knew or taught us that. I don't know why, but she did it in a song, and I've never forgotten that song. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know these memory techniques back then, so I wasn't right. using that. There's something but. about songs I've said before on a couple of other episodes that um, I was watching an episode of Cheers in the 80s, 
and Coach, the the older gentleman that was on the show. I know I said this last episode too, but um, it's impressive. She, she's really proud of this. She's <laughs> very. Really, I just really, really like the show. <laughs> proud of this. Anyway, moment in her life. So, what was Ted Danson's character's name? I don't remember his name. Okay. I don't uh, oh yeah, well, he would walk in the bar and they'd say Norm. No, no, no. Norm, Norm was, was the mailman or something yeah, else. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, anyway, Ted Danson's character was helping Coach, um, prepare for a test, and they had to learn. Uh, he had to learn about Albania, and so they did it in a song. And so I now remember all of these things that are probably a little bit obsolete at this point, but about Albania. But, babe, are, so, are you just showing off now? No, we're 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 are, wasting time so that are, you could. Are, are you stalling? I was stalling. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay, you got. We're gonna numbers? say it again. We just said this last week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is enough numbers, baby. I mean, it, it, yeah. We are you guys married? <laughs> how do you? How could you tell? <laughs> yeah, think? brave to do a show together. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, and we're still married after. I was gonna this say, is our third year. Or yeah. um, what well, did no. you? He said, "Does it bring you closer?" Um, yeah, you learn a whole lot about each other in ways that you did not when you were dating. Like, oh. <laughs> it looks fun. I would love to do a podcast with my wife. You should <laughs> totally do that. Yeah. If she would like to do that. Is she introverted or extroverted? No, she's very extroverted. Oh, yeah. there you go. She, she talks a lot. She loves to. She's fun. <laughs> okay, now I stuck to one digit numbers here and he did two digit numbers. Is that fine? That's fine. Do they add up to 30? It's probably less than 30. 18, 19. It's actually only 19. Babe, you didn't do all the numbers. Oh, I, I didn't want to hear the story again, so I just stopped. <laughs> you are so hateful. Give me that pen. Yeah. Oh. So, so it doesn't matter how they are, just you'll you'll say one digit at a time. Yeah. You can say two digits at a time. It doesn't matter, but it's it's I'm trying to mimic how it is at one of the championships. One of the events is there's an audio recording and they're saying one digit per second, some robot voice for like minutes on end. And oh. the record right now is like 470 digits in a row, which is over five minutes of listening to numbers. Oh, my God. And you only hear them. You don't get to see them. So once you heard the number, it's gone, right? Um, which is a really incredible feat of memory. I'm only going to do 30 here, but um, at the championships, it's it's a much uh, longer event. Okay. I cannot guarantee that this is actually 30. Is that all right? Whatever. I'll actually be able to tell. Okay. So, all right. So just at a one-digit per second pace go for it two seven nine three eight seven six one zero five seven two eighteen forty six twenty four hold on slow down a little bit eighteen forty six twenty four nineteen ninety five fifty six twenty seven Eight, five, four, twenty-nine, thirty-one, sixteen, seventeen, twenty-one, thirty-two, fifty-two, one, two, three, seven. Yeah, you lost. You lost me. The, the mixing of of I, I was expecting you to stick to ones or twos, and I, it was it was more than thirty digits too. Um, <laughs> Well, Sorry, what, do I'll, you have I'll anything? Tell, you what I, tell me what you that? do remember. Tell me what you do remember. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, wow, that threw me off. Um, give it to me one more time. I'm sorry. No, Just no, stick to, you're fine. Stick to single digits. Okay. And, and a, bit, a bit slower. Okay, sure. Two, seven, nine, three, eight, seven, six, one, zero. Five, seven, two, one, four, two, one, nine, five, two, eight, five, four, two, three, one, one, two, three, five, one. Two, three, seven, two. Okay. All right. Let me just review it in my head. All right. So two, seven, nine, three, eight, seven, six, one, uh, zero, five, seven, two, one, four, 
I think at the end. Flawless. Nice. That okay. was it. And then, and then let me do it. I'll do it backwards too. Oh, um, okay. So two, seven, uh, three, two, uh, one, five, three, two, one, one, three, two, four, five, eight, two, five, nine, one, two, four, one, two, seven, five, zero, one, six, seven, eight, and uh, three, nine, seven, two. You only missed one. Oh, which what it was uh, one, six, eight, one, six, seven, eight, three, nine, seven, two. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, plus, right. I mean, shoot. that was pretty amazing so as you can see i mean it's uh, when a lot of the things that we train for this championship some of these things are i I gotta know how you're gonna deliver it to me Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um i'd say my memory is pretty good because of these techniques with random information that's kind of like improvised but if i'm gonna do something technical like numbers I got to know how it's going to be received so I can process it with the, the process or system that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why if you, if you gave it to me, if I had known you were going to flip it up on me like that, I would have prepared myself, but um, I was expecting single digits and then, yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, we're married, so we don't normally, you know, talk about stuff ahead of time. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I um, blindsided him. So I yeah, apologize. She says that. potato and I say potato. That's kind of how, how we roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so um, what do we know about, um, no, what do we know about children and, you know, their memory potential um, is, so the question I'm asking, I guess, is do children have more potential to be adept at memory training than adults? Is it something that's, you know, it's, can they soak it up better younger and you can't teach an old dog new tricks or kind of what's, what's, uh, what's the, what's the word on that? Yeah. So I think, uh, I, I really believe anybody can learn these techniques and improve and even do the kind of thing with numbers that I just did. Um, but I really think it's, it's easier for children to pick up. Um, a lot of it is imagining very silly things. Um, and I think sometimes for adults, it's harder to do that for whatever reason. Maybe you have some walls up. Um, you don't like to get a bit silly, but with kids, there's no limit, right? They're very, there's no inhibitions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really helpful tool for coming up with really good mnemonics um, for a lot of these uh, strategies. So um and, and the kids are just so malleable at a, at a young age. I think if you can teach these techniques and get them to think that way about how to process information, like as a habit, that that's what they do as they grow up. I think that's where the importance lies. Um, you know, somebody who's been set in their ways for 30, 40 years of how, how they study or look at information, they may learn these techniques and it works and they may want to use it, but they're going to still think of their old methodology, right? right. With kids you can rewrite that and say, this is how I always want you to look at information through this lens of how to memorize properly or learn it properly. And then, you know, that's going to change the rest of their life, how they think about things. So, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of kids, we did have our kid caster. She had a question for you. So this is Reese. Subjects I'm interested in are easy for me to learn and memorize. What are some things I can do to memorize subjects I'm not interested in? Great question. Valid question. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, so memory is very linked to attention span. Um, and that should make sense, right? You have this kind of processing unit in your head and it pays attention to something. It's like focused on that. That's what it's taking. It's perceiving things. Um, and if you're not perceiving something like, you know, you could have sound in the background that you're not paying attention to. It's there. Like, you know, music is happening, but you're not like directed towards, you're not perceiving it. So mm-hmm. it's not going to get stored in your memory unless you're, you know, directed at it. So like she was asking things that you like, you're going to pay attention to, right? You're drawn to it. You're in it. You're looking at it. You're focused, but things that you're, that are drier, you just not in your wheelhouse. That's tough, right? The nice thing about memory techniques is it's all about coming up with pictures in your mind to represent the things you want to remember. But those pictures are basically things you come up with 
that come from your own brain based on things that you like. Mm -hmm. So in short, what you're doing is trying to turn the stuff your brain doesn't like into things it does. That's the whole game. Um, so when you give me all those numbers, nobody likes to memorize that. That's hard. Those are just boring symbols that have names, right? And they repeat over and over. There's only 10 digits and, and you're just saying a jumble of them, right? Mm -hmm. But what if I told you that, you know, for me, at least when, I, when you're telling me that number, I was actually seeing this whole movie unfold in my mind of characters from books that I read when I was younger or best friends that, uh, you know, live down the street, all coming together that these numbers represent. And all I'm doing is really imagining that, which I love. That's fun. And I'm, I'm just watching this film unfold. And then when I recall it, I know how to translate it back. So I've just come up with a system to turn that complicated stuff into uh, things that I like. So to answer her question is, you got to think in pictures. And for the stuff you don't like, try to imagine it as something else, something that reminds you of it but is based on something that you actually enjoy and makes you laugh or is silly or is interesting to you. Well, let's talk about that. You mentioned a couple minutes ago about a memory palace. So what is that and what are the techniques that you use and how, how we can um, use them as well? So memory palace is uh, a technique. It's thousands of years old. Um, you know, your husband talked about uh, the Kevin Trudeau system, uh, system or memory package or whatever yeah. mega memory Which, mega memory there you go it's <laughs> what from the 90s or the 80s uh even? yeah it this was back in the late 80s early 90s yeah so technique these techniques have been around forever um and they've come in waves uh that kevin had a, a was riding a wave there was harry lorraine another kind of memory uh guy and then now, you know, I think there's another surge, but they've been, these techniques have been around since the Greeks and the memory palace technique supposedly was invented by, um, uh, Greek, uh, orator, uh, Simonides. And the story goes that he was in a big banquet hall, having a dinner at a large table. Uh, he steps out for a moment, a messenger had something to tell him. And in the midst of that, um, the whole place collapsed and, mangled all the bodies of people that were at the table beyond recognition. And Simonides was able to close his eyes and think, you know, based on position around where the people were sitting, who was who, like which body belonged to which person, kind of a morbid story. But the point is, is that he realized you could close your eyes and actually see uh, information based on location. And uh, the memory palace technique is actually called the method of loci and loci is location. So you're using locations to store information. And in short, for those who that went over their head, really what you're doing for, with a memory palace is you're thinking of a place you know. It could be your house, your bedroom, your friend's house, your the gym you go to, uh, the mall you like to shop in. Well, maybe you're not going to the mall these days, but uh, <laughs> Zoom. your favorite outdoor space where the socially distancing is, is, uh, is done well. And you imagine yourself walking through it. And whatever you want to memorize, you turn it into a picture, each little piece of data, and place it along this path through that space. Sounds like a lot of work, but really what's happening is you're using something that our brains are really good at, which is remembering spatial information. And so when you want to remember that list of things, you just walk back through that same place and remember what weird picture you put there. So when I was memorizing that number, yes, each of the numbers kind of made a weird uh, stood for something in my mind as a picture, I was actually placing those pictures in a memory palace. And I was using one, uh, it was a hotel that I stayed in once um, on one of my Everest expeditions before we left for the mountain in Kathmandu. And I, I, I had that one prepared. I always, I have a bunch of memory palaces stored and ready to go that I prepped. Um, and I decided to use that one for this um, case. Now, why do you have more than one What's the benefit of that? Yeah. So you can imagine, let's say you're memorizing for, or you're learning something for school, right? You got, uh, maybe you're learning all the presidents and then you're learning um, periodic table. I don't know. Things that there's a lot of information. If you keep using the same memory palace, you might get confused what you put in what. Okay. Um, so it's nice to have multiple memory palaces. You can always create new ones um, to store different things. So when I say, hey, who's the you know fifth president? you go to your memory palace that has the presidents specifically oh. for that, you know, 
Um, maybe you go and visit, um, you know, Washington DC and you say, Hey, I'm going to memorize and place the presidents or images for the names of the presidents along a path through my trip that I took in Washington DC. And so whenever you want to think of that, you just go to Washington DC in your mind, do that same pathway and you'll remember the things you put in that specific spot. Okay. You know, I remember, and all these memories are coming back now from uh, Kevin Chijo's mega memory. <laughs> uh, but one thing he said, and probably you, know, you can relate to, he had this this core 20, and basically he would say one is a bun, two mm-hmm. is a shoe, three is a tree, four is a door, five is a hive, you know. And he had one for one through 20, and those were like your your foundational checkpoints, basically. And then whatever word you have to memorize, you would take it and visualize it and yeah. associate it. So let's say you know, one is a bun and you want to memorize uh, Danita. Okay. And so I just visualized Danita eating a bun. So what's happening at the bun? Danita's eating a bun um, and, and so on. Um, and they also said, uh, and maybe you can elaborate more on this. He said that the more action you can put with your, with your visual, like the more obscene, the more crazy it is in your mind, it, it becomes kind of comical. Um, yeah. And you can memorize. I remember, like I said, I remember when I took chemistry, it was, that was, that was, ugh, that was, chemistry was rough for me. Uh, but all those, all those formulas, and I memorized you know, my, my house. I would take like the living room or the kitchen. And then each area was a place in my mind where I would go to, to, Memorize things. So, could you elaborate a little bit more about the action connecting to the to the visuals? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and first of all, uh, the the system you're talking about is a peg system, a number peg system. So, if you have an image for all the first twenty numbers, yeah, it's just in the same way that my memory palace would have different locations along the yeah. path. The path here is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine to twenty. You know that path. It's something you've already memorized. Same with the pathway through your house. You don't have to memorize it. It's something you know very well. So you can just use that walkway that you usually take through your house. Um, so they're kind of the same. A memory palace is essentially a peg system, except you're using actual locations right, instead right. of items that you have in a list. Um, in terms of um, what was uh what were we talking about oh the the, uh, the action associated with <laughs> it funny. oh the actions yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't remember everything <laughs> need to put that um, in the palace <laughs> so the actions are super important um especially emotion i feel like movement and tapping into things that because we remember things that are emotionally kind of vibrant you know we remember the funny things the the silly things the obscene things um the traumatic things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can kind of bake that into your image, you're going to have a better chance at remembering it. And I mean, for the simple reason that if everything's the same, like the same level of interest, nothing stands out. So it all blends together. It's it's very, if you, you think of this past year in, in lockdown, how all the days blend together, because um, most of the time we're just at home, right. just wondering when we could go outside again. But if you were smart or you, you know, you got sick of it one day, you're like, let's do something different today, right? Maybe you went on a big walk or you had a barbecue or something like that. I bet you those days stick out uh, as very, you know, hot spots from 2020, you know, mm-hmm. and that's because they stood out from the rest. Um, so if you can make um, your images pop out, um, you know, the best way to do that is to think, how can I make this funny? How can I make this shocking? Um over the top, all those things and, and make it move. Right. So it's not stagnant. Um, that exaggeration in size or in movement, um, is going to always make your memory, um, make it more memorable. Yeah. So like, for example, with Danita, with the bun, right. So I visualize her having this big old sticky honey bun with gooey, you know, yeah. uh, sugary topping, and she's eating it and smearing it all over her face and going, mm, mm. All that detail is amazing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. And neither will our audience for the rest of your life. Yep. All right. One now, in the bun. 
I'm a little frightened to do this uh, for a lot of reasons. Like we just totally messed up the the earlier demonstration, but um, uh, Nelson does have a demonstration for us using us. Okay, let's go. So we're gonna we're gonna do an example of a memory palace. Another, you know, you don't always have to use an actual house or place. You can use things that you can travel through, like create a path through or decide on a path through. So you could use your body. That's, that's so there's a, a version of the memory palace called the body method. And basically you choose a pathway through your body and at different points on your body, you can imagine, you know, some image for something that you want to remember. So we'll just use our face, but imagine you're starting at the top of your head and we'll go down to the, the chin area. Okay. okay. I'm basically going to tell you what to imagine and then we'll see if you can remember it. Okay. So on top of your head, we'll start here. Should we close our eyes you, or I'm close my eyes. anything? You can close your eyes. I'm sure. super yeah. nervous. My memory's bad. That's okay. <laughs> okay. No, no pressure. Um, so close your eyes and on top of your head, I want you to imagine a busy crosswalk. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like the zebra stripes, right? Like any mm-hmm. crosswalk in a city and there's people rushing back and forth. Like it's super busy. Maybe it's like New York, you know, people bumping into each other, going back and forth, rushing back and forth. Now it's a memory palace. So you go from your head and then travel somewhere that makes sense. So maybe next, if we go down, we'll be at our ears, right? On the side of our head. That'll be our next location to put the next thing. And I want you to imagine a red, big leaf sticking out of your ear. Okay. And it's just kind of a fixture there. Maybe it's stuck in your ear. Maybe it grew out of your ear uh, and really imagine what it would feel like to, to have that in there. Maybe it tickles the inside of your ear. Maybe you can even hear it kind of crinkling as the wind blows against it. Right. Imagine the rich red color of it. Um, all of that's happening in your ear. All right. The next location, we're going to come inwards in our face to the eye, your eye, imagine your eye socket and imagine there is a hamburger. Okay. Freshly, you know, put on the grill, put in a bun and it's, it's pressed into your eye socket. And, and maybe there's like a tear of mayonnaise coming down your face. Right. And you can smell it. it smells good. Maybe there's a little uh, sesame seed that um, you can imagine gets like lodged in your, your eye or something like that. Uh, really annoying. So you have this burger there. All right. We've done three. We'll do two more. Now imagine going to your nose. That's next. That's your next location. And inside your nostrils, I want you to imagine shoving uh, a a pair of chopsticks. Okay. Yeah. Not comfortable, very painful. Maybe there's a splinter from the wooden uh, uh, chopstick that kind of gets, that gives you a sharp pain in your nose. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe it stays there and you can eventually get good at, you know, flexing your nose and, and using it to pick up sushi or something and feeding yourself. Who knows? All right. Next, this is the last one. Go to your mouth or your lips. And imagine uh, stuffing a big soccer ball inside of your mouth, okay? And, you know, you have to stretch your imagination here, but imagine you'll be able to dislocate your jaw wide enough that you can jam this big soccer ball in there, okay? So now we're done. We've placed images in a memory palace. When you want to recall that, all you do is start at the beginning, which was the top of our head, and we traverse it the same way. So what was on top of our head? The crosswalk. Crosswalk crosswalk people were rushing back and forth right uh-huh. uh what was in our ear the red, red leaf. leaf red leaf what was on our eye the burger the burger burger in our nose the mayonnaise dripping the, the chopsticks. Chopsticks. chopsticks and in our mouth the soccer ball. soccer ball soccer ball nice and so you could do that forwards right i mean this is only five items but you can continue doing that down the rest of your body with more um, but you can also do that reverse, right? That's how I was able to do the numbers backwards mm-hmm. is I'm just going backwards through my memory palace. So you would start the lips or the mouth, which was a soccer ball, the chopsticks, the burger, the leaf, and then the the rushing crosswalk. The crosswalk. And so if you're, if you're wondering, you know, why did you make me memorize those things? Those are actually the first five largest countries in the world. Uh, you have rushing, ah. which is Russia, right? The red leaf. What do you think? Canada. Canada. Oh, yeah, it's on yes, their flag, right? You said. Sense. Nothing. I won't say what oh. I said. <laughs> <laughs> I said Canada. Uh, okay. Uh, the burger. Deutschland. Well, yeah, yeah I, I sometimes get that. It's America. I mean, oh. you can choose whatever you want. I think burgers, I think America. Oh, well, but you're yeah. right. But I would have said apple pie. But historically, didn't it start in Ham- Hamburg, Germany? 
It could be, yeah. Well, Hamburg is in in Germany. You're right, but <laughs> yeah. I think of a burger. I think of America. Yeah. Um, chopsticks, China, China, and then the soccer ball. This is also debatable. Is is Brazil? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that's a great point that you bring up just by asking that or or or, or talking about that is. You know, these are images that I thought of. They're associations that made sense to me. I thought mm-hmm, hamburger, right. I thought America. But you could have easily used, um, you know, apple pie, like you said, or a Statue of Liberty on your eye or something. Same with a soccer ball. Maybe Brazil, you think of, you know, someone dancing, samba or something like that um, instead of a soccer ball. So it doesn't really matter what you put there. Um, it's better if you come up with it, honestly. I, I'm just kind of painting a picture for you. But the process is the same. So are there, um, well, does memory, does, does this type of um, brain training, does it help you with, um, so obviously you're learning to memorize different facts and things, but does it also help you in other learning? Yeah. This is kind of going back to what I, uh, I was saying about why it's important for kids to learn this stuff is I feel like ever since I learned this, yes, I have a better memory. Um, but it's more like I have to actively use it to be able to have the best memory that I've trained myself to have. Mm -hmm. But I feel like with all this practice, I I now, I see information differently. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if someone were to say, Hey, you're got to take this class and learn this, it'd be very different than what I actually would have done, you know, in college uh, when I was younger and didn't know about memory techniques. Now I know how to process information because I've learned these techniques. They're in my little toolkit up here uh, in my mind. So uh, I just, it gets filtered through a lens that's a bit different. Um, and I think it, it just makes learning easier. I wouldn't say it's automatic. It's not like I'm a tape recorder, mm-hmm. but now I have all these different tools that I can choose from that I've trained um, and that are almost habit at this point that will help me learn things faster. Mm-hmm. You know, it also you know, helps to take like abstract courses, abstract concepts and make them fun, you know, cause yeah. you know, I think we all remember studying for a test. You're looking over the words and you're kind of mumbling to yourself and and it, and, and that's really just short term memory. Um, right because you you cram it in just enough to get over that test and then then you forget it but you know i can't forget they need to eat a gooey honey bun smeared all over her face and they're going Mm-mm. like i'll never forget that for the rest of my life and neither will you audience exactly. you know and yeah. and so it takes it takes abstract things that maybe we wouldn't care about necessarily but it kind of puts it in a place where it's going to be more permanent which we can you know use um just later on, you know, in life as need be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I often get a question is like, well, if you're going to memorize stuff that isn't the actual information, right. Are you really learning? Um, mm. Why bother memorizing it that way? You know, like when I teach the presidents, for example, I'm basically giving you 45 or 46 different uh, images that are silly that represent this, this word, this name, right. Eisenhower. Kennedy, right? It's not about really memorizing the president or anything about them or, or their term. It's just this get, to get that name in the right order out of the from one to 45 in your brain, right? And I say is like, okay, well, with these techniques in the memory palace and these images, you can commit that one list of 45, 46 items in 15 minutes. All right. One time through, maybe really? two times through, that's it. You've got it. Yeah. And from yeah. then on, I, I I argue often is that's when you can add all the interesting things after, you know, these memory techniques get information in your mind faster. And then it's up to you what you want to do with it. You know, if you want to just know the names of the presidents and that's it, cool. But if you want to go back and, you know, learn a little bit more about Kennedy, you know, when he actually turned, what was his term was, who he was married to, um, you know, what he did during his presidency, you can add that and sprinkle it onto that image uh, later on, you know, but I think the memory techniques really help kind of, cutting down on time that people waste spent uh studying the wrong way mm-hmm. yeah or not studying yeah uh, yeah they just give up and not sometimes it can just be so overwhelming that they don't overwhelming even try, yeah, right you know i gotta study for hours i want to put it off but what if i could tell you like just use this technique you got it in 15 minutes like 
I'm not saying you should wait till 50 minutes before you got to study <laughs> uh, to, to take the test, but um, I feel like that would calm a lot of people down and not make studying such a, uh, a, a scary anxiety ridden thing. And it also make it stick longer. Yeah. Than yeah. Just and it makes cramming. it stick longer. It's like a win-win, you know? Yeah. Hey, we did an episode. Uh, was it last week? Yeah, it was just last week about um, making math more accessible to students. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything for the times tables? multiplication yeah uh yeah uh i do work with some students in in my area to memorize times tables and it's a tough one right it's like you got these you know tens and tens of 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 things you got to remember and some are the same but flipped you know um but if you really break it down and, and this is what i typically have to do is some of them are easy and you don't even have to think about them like the one times tables zeros and some of you might have little tricks like with the five times tables those are easy um but i feel like the hardest ones are the sixes sevens and eights mm-hmm. nines sometimes two um and mm-hmm. it, when it's like seven times seven eight times seven six times eight all those ones in the middle there and so i've done different things i've had them uh come up with little stories that you know like eight times eight is 64 so i would have them picture two snowmen right? Those are the eights mm-hmm. and they're playing Nintendo 64, right? Wasn't that exactly and what our guest said? Something pre- about Nintendo 64. Was it Nintendo 64? I think it was the right. remote control or something, something like yeah. that. That's so interesting. Yeah, it could be. Um, other they, ones I've done are little kind of rhymey things. I, I actually don't remember the one I used, but it was like uh, something with six and eight and 48. I have to think about it, but you know, you come up with like a little one-liner that has words that sound like six. Mm-hmm. Um, you use the word stick or or sick, you know, and then eight could be a gate. So if you have mm. like a stick and a gate uh, is is fort, uh, you know, for a fortified gate or something like that, you know, and then you just create this image out of the words almost, and it, it kind of helps them remember that now the problem is is with times table it's not good enough to just be able to remember it what it's one of the tests that they time you on right um but this is my argument is is get it in your brain fast and then once it's there you got to work on it that that, that's inevitable you have to practice um to access that information quicker but one of the harder parts is to get that information in your mind so it's always there and then and then you can work on accessing it faster yeah yeah Yeah, i remember well in the math world one uh program that's really taken off is called flocabulary and flocabulary yeah flow and then vocabulary and what they do is they take all these concepts in mathematics in history in english like rules of grammar and they put them all to rap and cool. so yeah. there so you have this beat now i mean it's not you know going to be a top 20 hit <laughs> per se <laughs> uh i mean some of the beats are kind of decent but uh but the point is is that you know because it's amazing how you know kids can't remember you know basic facts about random things but you drop a song on them that they know and they can spit it back word for word albania know. tasmania <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so uh but but uh, I know that's a pop. Now there is a subscription to that. Like you can do like a free trial. But um, but anyway, that but you know m- music uh, also helps as well. When you put something to a beat, that typically helps you remember something too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nelson, yeah. tell us: Are there lifestyle changes that we should be making in order to improve our memory? I know you're a super healthy, buff kind of guy. So what do you Thanks. do? <laughs> um. Things have been a bit tricky uh, with this recent baby we had. It's just like mm, and COVID. I need sleep. I'm sorry. And COVID. And COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, luckily, we we invested in a gym and it's in our garage, um, so that hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, keeping fit, uh, I, I have to work out every day in some capacity. Doesn't always have to be hard, but I'm moving in one way or another. Um, eating the right things. It's not always perfect, but there are certain foods that I try to eat every day to help my brain. I also try to cut down on sugar as best as I can. That's that's killer for mm. um, your your attention span and focus. Um, and then a sleep sleep and stress. Um, trying to get the most sleep you, you possibly can. 
um, and, and reducing as much stress in your life as well. Yeah. What are the brain foods? Uh, the number one brain food I always uh, recommend is DHA omega-3, uh, which is a fatty acid uh, usually found in, in fish or, or like salmon, fatty fish. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically it's, it's hard to eat a lot of fish, right? It's not necessarily safe anyways in, in some places. So just having a supplement that has uh, that uh, in it is pretty easy to find. And I've worked with brands in the past uh, who sponsored me and I didn't really believe in it until I, I was really serious about taking it every day during my competition days. And I would see huge benefits when I was on it versus not. So mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that one. Mm-hmm. So DH, what, did, what was it called again? DHA Omega-3. Omega-3. Okay. So there's different kinds of omega-3, which is the fatty acid. The There's DHA, ALA, EPA, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just omega-3 in general is good. They all convert to DHA. Um, but if you can get DHA, omega-3, that's the, that's the ticket. Okay. So what do you recommend for someone who is interested in being like you and being a memory athlete, starting to compete? Yeah. Um, there are tons of resources these days when I started, there wasn't, uh, so it's awesome. Um, if you Google memory techniques, you'll find videos, probably some of mine on YouTube. Um, there's tons of explanations and little tutorials and things like that for anybody to get started. I have a book that's designed for kids in around middle school age. Uh, It's called memory superpowers. Uh, if they're interested, they can find that on Amazon. Um, and there's a bunch of like training websites these days. One that I, uh, help start back in the day is called memory league. And it's a fun, like online platform where people can do these short little memory games against each other online hmm. and you can get better and get faster and improve your score and stuff like that. And I feel like that's a cool way to kind of train these techniques uh, in a competitive environment. Tell us a little bit about memory superpowers. Yeah. So, uh, Three years ago now, I released my original book, which I had been written, writing for years, called Remember It. And, you know, it's written for the adult, the business professional, um, the student, the older student. And then I realized maybe I should write a version of this for the younger audience and make it more fun and, and, and memorable. Not that the first one's not memorable, but to, for kids, you know. Um, so this is what it is. It's, it's a fun little narrative of a character. Um, kind of traveling to different lands on an adventure. Um, and uh, he uh, accesses his uh, memory superpowers along the way and is taught how to do these different skills. And so the reader kind of goes along and, and kind of picks up the same techniques along the way as well. That's the idea. Fun. You know, uh, this has me thinking about other applications of this. So um, privately, I coach students for the SATs and ACTs. Okay. And one of the things that are critical, especially on the um, on the reading comprehension sections, because they give you this mass these massive passages, and um, if you just pull out random facts that you have to support them with. Um, but I always tell all my students is that the name of the game is not just getting them right, but getting them right quickly. So it's speed and accuracy. Yeah. Um, and so I could see these, you know, you you know narrowing in on a particular fact within the passage, but then recalling it quickly, because sometimes you go back and forth, back and forth, and you can waste a lot of time on the test. And sometimes kids that are very, you know, very, very bright and capable um, get problems wrong or don't get to them, not because they can't do them, just because they run out of time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was never really a fast test taker, um, just in, you know, just in school in general, Uh, you know, but, you know, I was able to do the work, but I just wasn't fast. But when you get to that standardized test, you got to move like ACT you'll do 60 problems in in 60 minutes that's a problem a minute on average and so you yeah. you, you got to keep going there um and so I could see a lot of applications for this I mean you know what you give me give me an idea of how to coach my students this spring uh, heading into the springtime that's awesome yeah that was just for me sh- <laughs> sorry what oh uh, that was just for him that's just for me uh, noggin okay. educational coaching everybody I was just gonna say you you should also note that uh, yeah, these memory techniques work, but you can get faster at them too, you know, and that's, it's important to note that these are skills and any skill that you want to perfect or be quick at is practice, right? So I learned these techniques. I could 
do them. I, I saw instant benefits. It was way better than my memory without them. But, you know, when I was wanting to compete, I wasn't going to be a champion just because I knew these. Um, the champion level stuff where I was able to get these crazy scores was practice. So every day I'd work on this and just chip away at, you know, being able to do the process that we kind of went through with the, the face body method faster and faster and faster and faster. So when I do numbers and cards and got these very fast scores, I'm coming up with these pictures super fast and putting them in memory palaces super quick. And that that's not something everybody can do instantly. It's something mm. that you, takes practice. Mm -hmm. But that's the, the encouraging thing is it, it, it's possible if you do practice this. Um, and I think, you know, tr practicing memory sounds really boring, but when you think of like, now it's just really thinking about funny pictures in your mind, basically, that's a lot more inviting. And it, uh, it might encourage people to, to want to use a memory. So what's the youngest person you've seen at a competition and the oldest? Youngest, I think the limit, the young, the lower limit for age is 12. Um, so that's the youngest competitor I've actually seen. Um, although I think in China, they have these competitions and, and some of the competitors must be like five or four. It's pretty com oh. competitive over there. Um yeah, but I, you know, I, I don't think you have to be 12 to know how to do this or, or be good at it. You can start a lot earlier than that. I think they just say it's 12 for like legal reasons, you know, mm -hmm. at the competition. But yeah. And the oldest? Oh, the oldest. Yeah. Um, I once had a, a client who was a student of mine and she ended up competing. She was like in her late 60s. Um, and yeah, so I, I think anybody can learn this stuff and uh, benefit from it. All right. You know, one last thought here. I'm thinking about, you know, as we get um, older in life, um, that keeping your mind active and engaged, um, I can see that I have to get the exact sources there, but this research that shows that, you know, as you, as you stay active and keep your mind stimulated as you, as you grow older, it helps to keep those synapses going mm -hmm. um, in your brain. Um, which can help to keep you sharp and, you know, keep you, you know, more spry, I guess, as we're mm -hmm. approaching 50. Lord have mercy. Totally. Yeah. You're, you're this is a fun way to kind of keep your brain active. Yeah. I almost forgot to ask you about this. You're an avid reader. How many books did you read last year? Yeah. So from, there was a year period uh, where I read 52 books, mm -hmm. um, one per week. That was the idea. It, worked, it wasn't always one exact per week, but I wanted the total to be 52. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And th that impacts your memory by reading? I think so. I think um, not super obviously directly, but, you know, I think the more things your mind has access to, you know, if you're reading all these books, you're just opening all these doors to worlds you don't, you didn't know about before. That makes coming up with images, I think, a lot easier because you have so many possible connections to make to associations. Um, the more you read, you kind of open your mind more. So I think that really helps with the creativity aspect of uh, memory techniques. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so how do we find your website or what is your website? And so we can find your resources. Yeah, it's just my name, nelsondellis.com. And people can reach out to me if they have other questions um, or if they uh, want to work with me. I do coaching as well. Um, I give speaking uh, I do speaking engagements or workshops as well. So, um, and then on YouTube, I have tons of videos and free content there. If, if anybody just wants to Google me there, you'll find my page. Yeah. And really my last question is when are you going to try for Everest again? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, That's a, just it's for a hot <laughs> topic between my wife and I, uh, uh, I bet it is. Yeah. I, I was, I, I would like to get it out of my system just because it's been a, project for the last 10 years um, i've attempted it three times and haven't made it for one reason or another so i either this year or next year uh it remains to be seen but i'd like to get there sooner than later all right well be careful <laughs> make sure the wife is on board too yes of course sure. yes well, Nelson, thank you so much. This has been wonderful and very helpful for the our parents that are listening and uh, just very interesting as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sure. And Denise is going to end with singing the 50... The 50 states, states song? 
No, I'm not doing no, that. No, you're not? No. I just put you on the spot. Well, no. I could do it. I'm good at it. But I, no. I know you can. You've done it like 50 times at home. So, yeah. <laughs> 50, just 50 yeah. times in 17 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are out of time, so, but thank you again for joining us. Sure. Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days, so we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. We are currently taking applications for two of our programs. Noggin offers 12 hours of free private tutoring to students through our educational coaching program. Also, through our art advocacy program, parents receive support in securing services and accommodations for their kids. Uh, that they need at school for learning disabilities and special needs. With the closure of schools, the education gap for low-income students has widened, and the one-on-one intervention we provide is vital. See our website, nogginfoundation.org, or email me at donita, D-O-N-E-D-A, at nogginfoundation.org for details. It's that time of year again for resolutions and goal-setting. And we've created a smart goals and growth mindset kit that's perfect for students and even for adults. This 12 page digital digital toolkit offers worksheets to help develop goals that are smart and goals uh, that are smart goals and foster a growth mindset or the belief that talent and intelligence can grow with practice, effort and experience. This is a free download that can be found on our website, nogginfoundation.org. In two weeks on January 26th, we'll be back with our guest, Dr. Laura Jones, who will share with us about tech safety for kids and teens. Laura has extensive experience consulting in risk management and tech security with clients ranging from the Pentagon to private companies such as Kimberly Clark. She has also written children's books to share real world cybersecurity and IT concepts through kid friendly characters. So don't forget to tell your parent friends about that one. And as always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing with Noggin and for the resources mentioned on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Ever. I turned off your mic, though, babe. (laughs) Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, David and I always want to end the show by saying that we are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Dazed is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.